because the first year of life is about um, you're totally dependent on your caretakers. And if they respond to your needs, um, in a they figure out what you need and they respond to it in a timely fashion, then the child feels safe. They feel like, okay, I can trust the world. Trust starts at a very early age. Dr. Karen Sherman explains how important it is to your marriage and how you can build it. Stay tuned. We have a ridiculous limited time wine club special going on right now. Go ahead, open your browser while you're listening to this, visit hitchmag.com and click the wine club link to find out the details. Hey everybody, welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, Editor-in-Chief of HitchedMag.com. I am joined once again with the original Dr. Karen Sherman. Hi, Karen. Hi, Steve. So, uh, as a reminder, if you just so happen to be tuning in for the first time, because I know we have a lot of regular fantastic listeners, uh, Karen is a practicing psychologist and relationship and lifestyle issues for over 25 years. Uh, she has, <clears throat> excuse me, she has her own podcast. Uh, on the Sex Talk Radio Network, uh, and she has her website where you can find lots of great information at drkarensherman.com. Uh, but today, we are going to talk about um, trust. Uh, and, I mean, we get a few questions from people every once in a while, and I see them reading our stuff on our website um, who want to improve the trust in their marriage, um, and we can speculate why. Um, but I thought we could dig into this issue of trust and marriage. So to kick things off, Karen, I wanted to first find out from you, where would you rank trust um, and the level of importance of your marriage? And is it possible that you can have little trust in your spouse, but still love them and have a successful marriage? I think trust is probably one of the main pillars of a good relationship. I'd rank it way up there with respect. Um, I think it's it's really a foundational kind of attribute that you have to have in a relationship that is happy and healthy. Can you love the person in spite of it? Uh, you can, but I think it's going to be um, a very rocky kind of relationship if trust is not there. Okay. And if nothing has been done, uh, but your spouse is distrustful, what can or should you do about that? Well, I think the best thing to do is, first of all, you, you always want to validate the other person. You know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of validation. You don't mm -hmm. want to dismiss the other person's feelings. But then what you want to do is show them the reality. Um, you know, so you say, you know, you we're concerned that, um, you know, I was out late. Um, but remember, I had... Um, that meeting that I told you about and, um, you know, um, at the end of that meeting, you know, um, I called you and I told you that I was coming home and, you know, that this was the situation and that was the situation. Um, or remember that, you know, one time such and such happened and, and here's what was the actuality. So you show them the reality of 
you know, what really was going on, or you had a concern that I forgot your birthday, but in fact, I hadn't forgotten your birthday. I was just purposely, you know, acting a certain way because I was surprising you that day. So you show the person the reality of what really has gone on. Okay. I mean, that, to me, that, that sounds good, but I could also see spouses getting really defensive or not accepting those answers. Like, will you say that you didn't forget, um, like the birthday, for example, if you don't trust somebody and they say, well, I, I didn't forget your birthday. I was just, you know, the thing didn't come in in time or I went to the store and they were at a stalker. Um, you know, I, I went to the store to get you a card on the way home or whatever the, the excuse they come up with. Um, it seems that you would have to have some sort of trust in the story that you're, they're telling you as well. Yes, yes. Well, I think, you know, a, a big part of that, Steve, is being consistent. So part of what helps build trust is consistency. So if somebody is consistently acting a certain way and that every now and then there's a screw-up, you know, it's a screw-up. Mm-hmm. Um, but if um, somebody, and, and that's how you rebuild trust, um, is, is to be able to show that you act in a consistent way. Okay. So so how can couples, I mean, you just actually touched on it, but how, what else can you do to build trust um, aside from just trying to be consistent and, and laying out the efforts that you've been making? Well, okay, so if for some reason trust has been broken, yeah. you know, whether it's something really, really big or, you know, something small, um, again, you have to own it. You have to apologize properly for it. And, and by the way, there's um, actually a formula for a proper apology. So I don't know if you want me to go through that right now. But, um, you know, you apologize properly. And then what you do is you try to be as open as possible about what's going on. So um, you say, you know, you let them know, okay, so um, here's, let's say the trust issue is that you're always late and you don't call. So you tell your mate, um, okay, here's where I'm going. And maybe, you know, you leave your calendar open so that the person sees that, yes, okay, um, when they go to the calendar, they see that it's really on your calendar, that you're really going there. So and, I, and- I apologize to stop you. So it seems really quick that part of the, a big piece of the puzzle for trust is setting expectations then? Yes, setting expectations, being open about it. Um, and, and a lot of times when I'm working with couples, the person who is trying to reestablish trust now feels like, oh, you know, I got to report in and I got to, you know, feel like I'm being controlled. And what I say to them is, look, if you're trying to help your mate trust you again, for a little while, yeah, you have to. And don't think of it as that you're being controlled, but realize that this is a process to just help them heal from the broken trust. Mm-hmm. So again, you know, you want to set the expectations, you want to be open, be transparent about what you're doing, allow the other person to sort of feel free to ask questions and not become defensive in your responses, you know, answer it. Um, And so that way the person feels like, oh, okay, you know, I can see that you're not getting uptight or annoyed or anything. Then maybe when you're out, um, call your mate and say, hi, I'm just, you know, wanting you to know that I'm thinking about you. Or if the person calls you, that you don't get annoyed that they're calling, that you get home. Again, we're using the example that, you know, you didn't get home when you said you would. 
um, that, um, you, you know, that you do get home when you say you're going to get home. Mm -hmm. And then you do that consistently so that eventually the person feels like, okay, I can really now see that, that I can trust you in, in this situation. So it's almost like when you build that consistency, uh, they, it, it's almost like they stop thinking about it. Because they're, they're like, well, I know you're going to, you know, I'm not, you have created that expectation that you're going to walk home through the door at 5, you know, 15 right. every day. So That's I right. don't even need to look at the calendar anymore that says you're going to work and coming to home, coming home or, you know, whatever that routine may be, because it's right. just, it's clockwork. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, so, so now we, we were, we've been kind of dancing around, um, you know, what this trust uh, issue may be, uh, but what if it has been broken? And, and let's assume that it's nothing major like infidelity, um, but it, it is something that could be annoying, such as uh, the spouse said, hey, I'll, I'll grab that medication on the way home from work, and they fail to do it again. Um, it, is this just a, a matter of pick up the medication next time? Um, I think it is. I think it is. You know, and it's interesting because one of the – I'm working with a couple now and it just occurred to me that in a way this couple fits into this particular situation. Um, when, when there is a money issue involved, um, he will they, – they happen to be of, of good means, luckily. They're very mm -hmm. fortunate. And he will um, lend their children money. And it happens that it is a second marriage for both of them. And he is equally as generous with her children as with his. Um, and he forgets to tell her. And mm -hmm. she feels that he lies, okay, that she can't trust him, that he lies. And part of the reason that she immediately runs to the idea that he lies is because she came from a background where her father was a liar. Okay. So that's her filtering system. And what we talked about was that he came from a background where due to the way he was raised, he felt the need to be very generous. So he's not withholding information from her. It's really that he's playing out his own issues from childhood of needing to feel needed. Um, and so when she saw it that way, she realized that it was really sort of his childhood issues and her childhood issues that were sort of banging heads. Um, so the point is that um, if people can get to what is underneath what's going on for them, it may really not be so much about trust, but it may be that their actions are um, really as a result of things from their past. Mm -hmm. And um, then it doesn't become really a matter of, oh, well, I just can't trust you. So um, let's go to something like, you know, you don't pick up my medicine. That really can be a thing about, I don't feel like my needs are being heard. I don't feel like I matter to you. And for the guy, maybe, let's presume it was a guy who wasn't picking okay. up medicine. He may be you know, he may have been raised in a family where he never had to do any chores. And so he just doesn't think of it. So, you know, once they get to talk about 
what it really means for each of them, it would be a matter of he's got to be more aware of it. He's got to be more sensitive to that this really makes her feel like um, she doesn't feel cared about. And perhaps she can look at it and say, okay, it's not that you don't care about me. You just aren't thinking about it. And I'm not going to make this a whole big thing, you know. And then they can start to, um, you know, work together in a different way. So so when you talk about uh, their their childhood issues, are, are these really issues or are these just the baselines of normalcy that they grew up with? So this was what was normal as this guy growing up with right. and this is what was normal for her growing up with and that was what they learned either by environment or they were um, intentionally taught those things. Um, so when they grow older, that is how you're supposed to act, not even considering other possibilities Right. I think it's a very good question, Steve. I think that for many people, it's just just their styles, you know, just their baseline, the way they grew up, and it doesn't have any meaning at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but for some people, um, it, it may have trust issues may have more to do with um, their childhood. And in those instances, I'm assuming there had been uh, trust had been broken at an early age or something where yeah. they just put up some personal defense mechanism that let them not be hurt going forward because it had happened to them so many times as a young person? Yes. As a matter of fact, um, there are some people, when trust issues, um, if there are going to be trust issues as a child, often develop in the first year of life. Wow. And, yeah. Because the first year of life is about um, you're totally dependent on your caretakers. And if they respond to your needs um, in a time, they figure out what you need and they respond to it in a timely fashion, then the child feels safe. They feel like, okay, I can trust the world. The world responds to me um, in a way that I need when I need it. And that's what that first year of development is about. So if if you can imagine um, when that doesn't happen, then you're, you go into the world with this basic feeling of lack of trust, but you don't remember it. But mm-hmm. when I'm working with people and they have a basic distrust, and this is not only of your mate, but of friends, of coworkers, you know it. You know when you meet somebody like this, no, that no matter what you do, they're suspect, they're cynical, they just don't trust the world. Um, this is really going to re, uh, you know, create havoc in a relationship. Uh-huh. Very, very difficult to work with somebody like this. And as I said, because it has formed so early uh, in a person's development, they don't remember it at all. So that um, you hear about the Ferber method, where you kind of let your baby cry it out. So that yeah. that is potentially dangerous and and. And that it could create these trust issues down the line because their needs aren't being met when they're expressing their need for something? Yeah, that the newer thinking is that, you know, I was raised um, when I was parenting to mm-hmm. do that, let your baby cry it out. And I can remember when my older daughter was crying, my husband and I, following the pediatrician's um, suggestion, sat there cringing and holding on to each other. At night, we were such schmegegs for doing that because she said, you know, no, you let her cry it out. 
Um, but the newer thinking is you don't you don't do that. Um, but trust issues don't have to be just crying it out. It could be you know that um, your baby is hungry and you don't get to them early enough, or the baby needs a diaper change and you're giving them food, um, or your baby needs to be held and coddled and you know again you have mom has postpartum depression and she can't respond. So it's not about parent bashing. There's a lot of different reasons that the child's needs are not met. Uh, but again, when it happens in that first year of life, um, it really makes the infant feel as if I can't trust the world. Yeah. So it carries forward. And it, as I said, it really creates a lot of problems in relationships. But it, but it can be overcome? You know, it can. It okay. can. But the person has to probably go for professional help. Okay. Um, okay, so we if, – if nothing has happened to really cause the trust and the questioning within a relationship, uh, but that person uh, still has trust issues, we, we talked about this development um, within the first year. Uh, is there anything else that may have caused this, um, this lack of trust in a person? Well, you know, I mean obviously there can be trauma somewhere along – one's life, you know, if there was horrible trauma or abuse or whatever, you're going to likely see uh, trust issues as well. And again, I would still say the same thing. You, The mate would say, look, I, I understand that you have this feeling, but I'm not that person and I love you and I'm here for you. Um, but, you know, when we're talking about a trust issue, that's heavy duty. And there's a real good chance that uh, the person who has a trust issue may need to get some help over it. But as the mate, what you want to do is stay consistent, stay loving, uh, show the reality of how you are there for the person, how um, you know you are open, um, if, if in fact it's something from the past. If it's something that has occurred between the two of you, then what you want to do is be very apologetic in an appropriate way, and then um, show consistency, show openness, show, um, you know, um, dependability and, you know, the kinds of things to help rebuild trust, which will take a while. It's not mm -hmm. going to be like, you know, in a week or so. It's going to take a while. Mm -hmm. I, I know this is um, becomes an issue, particularly with young couples, uh, when they and then all of their friends begin to get married at the same time uh, mm -hmm. because there seems to be at that point a lot of bachelor and bachelorette parties, mm -hmm. um, which I have personally seen a lot of um, – and I wouldn't say the, the, they're, they're major trust issues, but very uncomfortable um, scenarios where mm -hmm. people are like, uh, I don't know if I should do this or I don't – you know. and I think part of it too is the person – who is put in those situations where you think you might be breaking trust, mm -hmm. um, recognizing that, acknowledging it, and then responding appropriately to those things. Yeah. The, well, you know, that's a hard situation because, I mean, a lot of these, especially the bachelor parties, have gotten really out of hand. People are traveling like, you know, to crazy places. And, <laughs> I know. You know, um, there, there's all kinds of stuff going on and lots of partying and everything, which disinhibits you. Um, and you've got your peers egging you on, you know, come on, do it, do it, do it. So it, it's hard. It's a very hard situation. Um, 
But again, if a couple has a good foundation and they really trust one another, then, you know, you're going to let your fiance go ahead and, you know, um, go to their party and, um, you know, you know who you're marrying. If, um, well, see, I was even thinking not even the fiance, but say they were the last in the group of friends to be married. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of, uh, other people in that group who have recently gotten married and now this is their, say, first bachelor party as a married man or woman. Ah, uh, okay. And and might they do stuff? And they, Well, I mean, they go to the bachelor party, uh, <laughs> you know, because we, we constantly see these um, – it, it's interesting because we constantly see these depictions of bachelor and bachelorette parties um, yeah. with these single people going right. and celebrating their friend getting married. Right. Um, right. And, and, you know, and obviously there is the um, – uh, now I'm blanking on that that uh, the hangover the movie yeah. where there was like the one married guy who was checking in constantly um but that is it's, it seems to me maybe it's just the life stage that I'm in now but it just that, it seems to me that that is more of the norm is that more of the people in the group are probably married as you get older I suppose right. um and so then you have it's a different dynamic um right. because right. you have to I mean, since we're specifically talking about trust today, you have to specifically think about the decisions you make at that moment. How are they going to affect uh, your marriage? How are they going to affect your relationship? Um, and when you go home uh, and they ask you how it was, uh, are you going to be okay telling them what transpired? Well, you know, look, Steve, how is that any different than the Christmas party, you know? That's or true. any other situation. Well, uh, I, I, well, I will, I will say this. I think there is a little bit of a difference in that, um, as you pointed out earlier, uh, you are being egged on. It is uh-huh. a scenario where, particularly like modern day Christmas parties, where um, they're very much m- more tame in comparison to uh, what used to go on with tons of booze and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's gotten much as a. It's a much cleaner environment i would say in the workplace than it used to be um Mm -hmm. whereas like the bachelor party it's all about getting crazy and Mm -hmm. you know having this one wild party before you um get married right right well i guess that um you know the couple has to have a discussion maybe before the person goes away uh and for the person who's at the party uh you know i to me and I don't know, you know, here's where I feel a little bit odd because I'm not a guy. Usually I can think about the way guys approach things, but maybe the guy just says, all right, you know, so, so I'm the one that's the geek in the party, you know, and he just calls himself out on it and says, you know, I, I, I got to be the geek or, you know, and mm-hmm. makes pokes fun of himself. Um, but either you're, you know, you're that guy who's going to be the geek, so to speak, or you're not. But it's a matter of um, emotions overthinking. And as you said, Steve, you got to think about what are the consequences other than what's going on just for that night. Yeah. Um, I, you, you know what? I will, we, we can wrap it up there. I think um, I know you have to run soon, so we can wrap it up there. But this is, this is fantastic. And, and you mentioned earlier um, about giving a proper apology. And maybe we can circle back to that at some other time um, because I think that is one of those important skills that people should have. 
in their arsenal when it comes to uh, dealing with their relationship um, because we're all going to have to apologize at some point. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't right, that movie, meaning uh, being in love means never having to say you're sorry. <laughs> oh, God. So many – you know what? Maybe we should put together a list of like all the terrible um, adv- relationship advice that we have seen in the movies and on TV and things. <laughs> I actually thought of doing a um, – starting like a column – that uh, followed what transpired on TV and then using those as like learning blocks for relationship <laughs> skills, you know, so blah, blah, blah happened last night in such and such episode and, you know, show the clip and then talk about how this could have been handled at, without the the drama that transpires afterward. That uh, would obviously make terrible TV, but it might be a lesson that uh, is then demonstrated more uh, easily. Anyways. There's my tangent. Um, okay. <laughs> well, I want to thank you so much for your time. That's going to wrap it up for us this week. Um, I want to remind everyone, you have been listening to Dr. Karen Sherman, who is amazing, obviously. Uh, she is also a practicing psychologist and relationship and lifestyle issues for over 25 years. Uh, she is, as I mentioned earlier, the host of her own podcast called Empowered Relationships on the Sex Talk Radio Network. You can get more information at her website, drkarensherman.com. And if I fail to mention it, she is also, as if that's not enough, the author of several relationship books, Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life, is one. She is also the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. Uh, Karen is on the social platforms, so you can find her on Facebook, you can find her on Google+, uh, on Twitter. You can find us on all those uh, social platforms as well. Uh, go to hitchedmag.com. We have all of our buttons easy to find in the top right corner. Uh, and you can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you want to help us be discovered by others more easily, give us a ranking on those things. I know I hate when people ask for that stuff, but it's really the only way that uh, – you move up to uh, get more exposure that allows other people to find us. So if you would do that, we would be tremendously grateful. Um, But until uh, next week, that's going to do it. So one last time, thank you, Karen. Thank you, Steve. All right. Take care, everybody. 